Welcome to The War from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Most comedians during the war kept their jokes and routines about America's enemies to a uh, minimum. A joke or two a show, perhaps. But Eddie Cantor definitely remained an exception. Here, he unleashes the full power of his talent and patriotism in this episode of It's Time to Smile from March 31st of 1943 in an episode dedicated to Adolf Hitler. Ladies and gentlemen, Bristol Myers, the makers of Ipana for the Smile of Beauty and Sal Hepatica for the Smile of Health present It's Time to Smile with Eddie Cantor who last Friday sent the following cable to Adolf Hitler, Berchtesgaden, Germany. Quote, On Wednesday, March 31st, we will devote our entire broadcast to you, Mr. Hitler. The time will be 9 p.m. Eastern Wartime, but 4 a.m. your time. Inasmuch as you're not sleeping much these nights anyway, I hope you'll be listening. Unquote. (laughs) Eddie Cantor. Why, you no-good, low-down snake in the grass, you rat, you dirty soul. Hey, wait a minute, Eddie. That's no way to talk to me. Who's talking to you? I'm talking to Adolf. What is it, Harry? Excuse me just a minute. I've got a little song for Mr. Hitler. Heil, Heil, right in the Fuhrer's face. Harry, why don't you give him that that sound? Why don't you give him why don't you give him that sound? Oh, well, with raspberries at eight points, I should waste them on the Fuhrer's face. (laughs) Well, Harry Von Zell, we may be kidding the Reichsfuhrer, but the German people really adore him. Oh, no. They really do, Eddie? Yep, they worship the ground they'd like to see him under, believe me. <laughs> you know, I can't understand how they go for that ersatz food over there. That I can, I'll never be able to no, comprehend. I can, you know, a good deal of it is made of wood. Yeah, Harry, and I've been experimenting along those lines. Last week, I crossed some wooden splinters with a pile of sawdust, planted in the ground, and guess what I got? What? Termites. <laughs> oh, say. What? Termites, that's an American word, Eddie. You better explain to Adolf what it means. Okay. Yeah. Termites were named after a very famous motion picture, Hitler's Children. <laughs> Are you listening, Adolf, at Burgess Garden? I wonder oh, if you... Oh, well, I know. Let's lay off of him, Eddie, for a while and speak of another garden. Yeah. Your victory garden. How's it getting on? Oh, I'm glad you... My victory garden. Yeah. Harry, it's wonderful. Last month, I got 500 radishes, 400 cabbages, 200 tomatoes. Oh, really? What theater were you playing at? The Orpheum. Shut up! <laughs> I understand, Harry, that you're quite a garden enthusiast. Oh, that... yeah, well, I sort of. I know a little about it. Well, let me ask you. Suppose your soil was unproductive. How would you encourage a tomato? Well, I, uh, <laughs> I wink at her and give her a nice smile. <laughs> These guys in uniform are way ahead of you. No, but seriously, Eddie, I'd like to start a victory garden. Now, what is the first thing to do? Well, you can start, Harry, by sending ten cents to Congress, and they'll send you the seeds. I send a dollar, and they send me the congressman. <laughs> well, Eddie, is it true that your family has chickens in the coop and a horse in the garage? Oh, did I tell you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we, we've also got a cow. We have a cow now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, where do they keep the cow? I don't know, but last night I walked into the bathroom, pulled the wrong faucet, and got a milk bath. <laughs> you know something, Eddie? I was just wondering here. Do you think Hitler may be laughing at this broadcast coming from America? Well, I'm not certain, but I do know that I laughed at a broadcast coming from Germany last night. It sounded like this. Listen. Take it away, Berlin. I know, my dear German people, this past winter, you were cold and didn't eat. But things will be different when it comes summer. You'll be warm and not eat. I've also heard complaints that Gehring, Herman Gehring, is living off the fat of the land. That is not true. Because where could you find land so fat? <laughs> to the sports-loving people of Germany, the duck season is open again. Here comes the RAF. Everybody duck! <laughs> Attention, my liberty-loving people. Tomorrow in the Berlin Auditorium, the Fuhrer will make a speech telling you what a free country Germany is. Anybody but those show up will be shot. <laughs> Be alarmed, please. I beg of you, do not be alarmed that the report that an RAF plane is approaching. In Berlin, you see it's spring. Tra-la-la-la-la. And the thing you see flying is a robin redbreast. The first robin of spring. <laughs> Such big eggs she is laying. <laughs> and now we bring you the new order of the Nazi hit parade. That's how you're broadcast down to us. Here in America, it's a little bit different. For instance, we don't want to know what a person's political beliefs are or who his ancestors were or things like that. We give our applause where it is really deserved. Just listen when I say, ladies and gentlemen, Dinah Shaw. And Dinah sings, Taking a Chance on Love. Here I go again I hear those trumpets blow again All aglow again Taking a chance on love Here I slide again About to take that ride again Oh, starry-eyed again Taking a chance on love Thought the cards were a frame-up I never would try But now I'm taking the game up And the ace of hearts is high Things are mending now I see a rainbow blending now We'll have our happy ending now Taking a chance on love 
Dinah, that was really swell. You're, you're in great voice, honestly. Thank you, Mr. Cantor. I guess it's because I've been getting lots of fresh air working in my victory garden. Oh, I mean, how's your, how's your garden coming along, Dinah? Well, I think I'm going to have a small crop of string beans. Yeah? This morning I ran out of string. <laughs> oh, Dinah. Well, I've been farming for a month. And last night the cook brought in the entire crop and we had a victory garden dinner. Oh, Gosh, was that radish delicious. <laughs> Some farmer. Mr. Cantor, I passed your garden this morning, and the scarecrow was missing. Someone steal it? No, no. The scarecrow looks so much better than me, the government drafted him. <laughs> hey, Eddie, you yeah. know, the news of your victory garden is certainly getting around. I just got a special delivery letter from my Uncle Fred. You know the farmer? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> He's got a helpful hint for you. Oh, great. What does he say, Harry? Well, he says... Plant delicious tomatoes and beans and potatoes and onions and carrots galore. Then real soon, wait and see what a swell meal they'll be for the chickens that live next door. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, he's a great guy, Uncle Fred, but the point he makes is really helpful. Yes, it is. I guess being helpful is one of your family's traits, Harry. The family traits? Yes, you see, you're a helpful fellow yourself. Look, oh. look how many of our listeners you help when you suggest how they can feel better faster. And suppose you do just that right now, huh? Oh, all right, Eddie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you wake up in the morning feeling headachey and out of sorts due to the need of a laxative, remember that Sal Hepatica brings quick, gentle relief, usually within an hour. And that's important, for it means you don't have to wait till night to take the laxative you need in the morning. You don't have to go on feeling miserable all day. Sparkling Sal Hepatica has another advantage, too. This famous mineral salt laxative helps sweeten an upset stomach by helping to reduce excess gastric acidity. So tonight or tomorrow, get a bottle of Sal Hepatica from your druggist. Then, whenever you need a laxative, morning, noon, or night, see how much faster you feel better when you take gentle, speedy Sal Hepatica. Ladies and gentlemen, recently one of Hollywood's truly great actors returned from a tour of England where he visited war plants... Aurea bomber stations, American soldiers prior to their invasion of North Africa, and performed in general as unofficial United States ambassador to Great Britain. Here he is, Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> Look, Edward, I hope you realize that the reason for this special broadcast is to utilize the radio in such a manner as to reveal to the Nazis our attitude towards them. Understand? Sure. We're going to give the jerks the works. <laughs> Precisely. You know, Edward G., I was amazed at British customs during my last visit there. Really, in, in England at 4 p.m., everything stops for tea. Then the RAF takes off, and an hour later in Berlin... Yes? Everything stops for TNT. <laughs> 
Well, Eddie, I enjoyed my work in London. Yes, yes, I heard that at BBC you set a record by broadcasting nine different languages in one day. You know, I too intend to broadcast soon in a different language. Oh, you're learning English? (laughs) (laughs) Quiet. Edward, I'm really delighted with the progress of the war, except that I don't like the news from Tunisia. The latest Nazi communique says, Fighting Americans, advancing Panzers pouring in, led by Rommel. Well, uh, you've got it wrong, chum. What that uh, communique really says is fighting Americans advancing, pouring lead into Rommel's Panzers. <laughs> personally, personally, I'd like nothing better than to get a shot at that, Adolf. Well, what good would it do? The Fuhrer always wears a bulletproof vest. Well, Eddie, you have a cockeyed sense of my direction. (laughs) Oh, I'm very interested in your tour of England, Robinson. Tell me about the London banquet you attended with Anthony Eden and the other British notables. Well, that was a serious affair, but uh, after the dinner, I attended a dance. And while there, I approached the Duchess, and I bowed politely, and I said, uh, Your Grace, I'd be deeply honored if you would favor me with your presence in the first dance. And uh, what did she say? Let's skip, Drip. Skip, you you mean the aristocrats over there like the jitterbug? Oh yes, and it was uh, very embarrassing. I'm I'm sorry I wore my tails. Why? What was wrong with your tails? Well, every time she threw me in the air, I looked like a P thirty eight with a cigar. <laughs> I, I I mean it, Eddie. You know, never again will I wear those fancy long tails. Oh, they aren't fancy. Tails are nothing but zoot suits with rich splits. <laughs> Eddie, I, I think our listening audience would like to know in what spirit you found the English people. Well, first let me tell you that all you see is uniforms there. Every man, woman, and child. They're making every conceivable sacrifice to hasten the United Nations victory. They have much less food than we have, but nobody's grumbling and their health has never been better. Well, we're glad to hear that, Eddie. Of course, uh, rationing is new for us and it's a little tough in America because we're not used to it. What the poor women must go through shopping these days. Edward, look. Let's pretend that we are our wives going to market in the morning. I'm my wife, you be your wife, Bonzel will be his wife, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Edna, darling. Harriet, darling. I hardly recognize you. You look so thin. Oh, <laughs> Well, it's the rationing, you know. Do I know, but I'm lucky. Just by accident, I found a solution to the rationing problem. I simply take a half a pound of butter, a pound of oleo margarine, and a bottle of olive oil, and mix them all together. Oh, really? Well, how does it taste? Silly, you don't eat it. It makes the loveliest wave set you ever saw. <laughs> don't look now, Harriet, but here comes that sucker, Bedrina Robinson. How she can stand her husband smoking those stinky cigars around the house, I'll never know. <laughs> quiet, quiet. Here she is. Yes. Oh, well. Uh... Hello, girl. Oh. <laughs> Hello, honey. How are you? Wait a minute, my darling. What a lovely hat. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Harriet. <laughs> lovely hat looks even better than it looked last year. <laughs> yes. Well, tell me, where, where have you been all day, Edwina? Oh, I've just been shopping, shopping, shopping. Yes. You know, a woman's work is never done. No. And me thinking of another baby. <laughs> I must be crazy. Oh, yes, yes. Well, were you at the market today? Oh, yes, yes. And oh, how those people were pushing and shoving. Isn't it awful? I must say that the women there weren't very ladylike at all. In fact, I was forced to slug a couple. (laughs) Good. 
They deserve it. You know, I had trouble with my butcher, too. Last week he promised me a leg of lamb. Yeah. And I went in, when, I, when I went in there, when he, he told me he had to give it to that little dumpy, snooky Fairchild. How do you oh. like that? No wonder she gets me. She goes marketing in shorts. How do you like that? <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow, Edwina? Well, I think I'll go shopping in my sunsuit. Oh! <laughs> you, Ed Robinson, in the sunsuit with the open midriff? <laughs> You'll be displaying more meat than the market. <laughs> oh, girls. Girls, look. Here comes Cookie Fairchild. Did you ever see such a figure on a woman? I, I always heard a woman's figure should go in a little and out a little. Hers goes out all the way down. It drags on the floor. Look at it. Hello, you old hag. Snooky! How did you make out with your shopping? Oh, just ducky. I got a pair of shoes with my number 12 stamp. Well, my dear Cookie, the number 12 stamp isn't for shoes, it's for sugar. Sugar? No wonder my stockings are so lumpy. <laughs> Why don't you girls stop complaining? Look at me. Me with my five children. I have to give them all the food. I'm on a diet. I'm on a liquid diet, you know. So hard to stretch points. All I've had for the past five days is orange juice, orange juice, and more orange juice, and more orange oh, juice. poor dear, you. Really, I swallow so much liquid that my stomach thinks I'm taking in washing. <laughs> Honestly. What is that? Oh, yeah, I'll get it. Hello. What's that? Well, uh, I'd, uh, yes, I'd, I'd love to meet you on Hollywood Boulevard. Ten minutes? You cute thing, you. <laughs> oh, just a man. His name I don't know. Well, if you don't know his name, why are you meeting him? Well, he says he's a butcher. A butcher? <laughs> you know, we're fooling. Edward, Ed, uh, Edward G. Uh, yes, Eddie. The last time I was in England, I met a famous espionage agent who was grilled by the Nazi Gestapo for three days and three nights. Finally, he couldn't stand the strain any longer, so he gave them some vital information. What did he say? What did he say? How do you do? <laughs> Russian. Russian? Yes? The man standing before you is one of the toughest guys in history. He is the famous little Caesar. Julius, how's Cleopatra? No, <laughs> not that Caesar. Now, Russian, what's this about you being a spy? True, true. True, true. <laughs> you know something? Yes. Every day I'm disguising myself. I always wear a different mask. Well, why do you have to wear a mask? You had a puss like mine, wouldn't you hide it? Well, don't uh... answer. You got a puss like mine. <laughs> Careful, Russian. Now, listen, you smalian screwball. <laughs> One more wait out of you, and I'll zip your lip. You'll zip my lip? Ha-ha! <laughs> That's very funny. Very funny. That's very funny. Very funny. Quit stalling, Russian. If you're a spy, we want you to prove it. That's all gonna do. That's all gonna do. My first job was espionage agent for the U.S. Treasury. You did espionage for the Treasury? Yes, I was a mint spy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to kill a laugh, walk out on it, boy. That's good. <laughs> Forgive us, folks. He bought that joke on the black market. Uh, uh, Russian, uh, have you done any espionage work for the uh, Russian Akpu? The what? The what? The Akpu. Poo. Don't anything, please. <laughs> I became part of the Russian underground quite by accident. The underground? How'd you do it? I found a sewer. 
your spy work very dangerous. Oh, yes, yes, of course, yes, oh, yes. Oh, I will never forget the time I was training that famous German spy, Mattress Hatter, Atlas. <laughs> yes. What happened? What happened? I was after the secret plans. It was after the secret plans? Yes. yes. And when I walked into our house, the room was filled with delicate perfume. Yes. There were six bottles of champagne on the table. Uh-huh. I finished all of them. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but what about her secret plans? By that time, I had plans of my own. <laughs> we are interested in your story. May you continue? I shall go on. <laughs> she came... She came into the room and gave me a glass of vodka with poison in it. I drank it. She gave me another glass of vodka with poison. I drank it. Why, you Kremlin gremlin, if you knew there was poison in it, why did you drink it? Who can drink vodka straight? (laughs) Oh, I've had enough of this. Russian? Yes? Russian, what did you ever accomplish as a spy? Mine, dear boy. Look who I'm calling boy. (laughs) Last week, I took a letter out of my mailbox. It was printed in invisible ink. Yes? I took it to my laboratory where I worked for two days. I went without food or sleep until finally the letter stood out in cold black type. What did it say? Greetings, you are now in 1A. Hello, Stanley. Say, Edward G., there's something I've been wanting to ask you. Yeah, what is it? What you said about that fashionable diplomatic party in London has got me thinking. You've been around a lot. Well, I haven't been around as long as you have, Eddie, but uh, then who has? (laughs) That's a very dirty laugh down there. (laughs) Yeah, but let me, uh, it's not what I'm talking about. Look, suppose, suppose I was at a party like that and there were lots of foreign diplomats. Yeah. What if I met a ravishing lady but couldn't speak her native tongue? Well, Eddie, a gentleman can always manage somehow. There are ways of making yourself understood. For instance, music. Well, that's a universal language, you know. You mean you sing to them? No, but I whistle plenty. (laughs) (laughs) I see. And how about the lady I'm introduced to? How do I know if she's interested in me? Well, they have their own secret ways of letting you know. For instance, uh, an engaging smile is... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's nothing secret about an engaging smile, is there, Harry? No, no, no indeed, Eddie. It's, it's no secret that it must be attractive. And to be attractive, it must be taken care of. See your dentist regularly, ladies and gentlemen. And between visits, faithfully use iPana toothpaste and gum massage. Because healthy gums are mighty important to sound teeth and sparkling smiles. And iPana is not only unsurpassed for cleaning and brightening teeth, but when used with massage... It is especially designed to give gums the stimulation they need to help keep them firm and healthy. The exercise they may not get from the soft, well-cooked foods we eat. So it's easy to understand why so many men and women are adopting this famous healthful routine. Brush your teeth regularly with Ipana toothpaste. And every time you do, put a little extra Ipana on your brush or fingertip and massage it on your gums. So, ladies and gentlemen, make up your mind now to help yourself to firmer gums, brighter teeth, and a more attractive smile by massaging regularly with Ipana toothpaste. Hey, good looking. Say, what's cooking? Do you feel like booking some fun tonight? Hey, good looking. 
good looking If you're not already tookin' Could you meet me soon In the moonlight Why don't we choose the Roman Through the gloaming While the stars are combing The skies above Hey, 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 hey Good looking Give in and we'll begin cooking That delicious little dish Called love Why don't we too Go roaming Through the gloaming While the stars are combing The skies above Hey, 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 hey Good looking Give in and we'll begin cooking That delicious It's now approaching 4.30 a.m. in Burgess Garden. You're probably tucked in, so Mr. Robinson and I are going to tell a bedtime story. Your bedtime story. However, it consists of many sounds which may keep you awake. For instance... You hear that clock, Adolf? Annoying, isn't it? For a clock records time. And time... Relentless as the tides Waits for no man Not even Adolf Hitler Your planes and tanks may be smashed Your powerful armies may be stopped You may beg for time But the hands of the clock move on You hear that hammer, Adolf? Keeps you awake, doesn't it? Especially when you consider That there are millions of hammers like it And screwdrivers and blow torches In the hands of America's war plant workers Strong, skillful hands hammering away night and day towards victory. Welding, riveting, putting life in the ship of democracy. Carving death on the tombstone of Nazism. Just listen to what those workers are doing for you, Adolf. Every day, five more Allied ships hit the water. Every hour, ten more American planes roll off the assembly lines. Every minute, thousands of tons of guns and ammunition pour from our factories. Are you still sleepy here, Hitler? Well... Perhaps you could sleep if it weren't for... That's a familiar sound, isn't it? It's the sound of Americans on the march. Every 60 seconds, 12 more fighters join America's armed forces to man those guns and those ships and planes we're building. It's a fast-growing army, Adolf. And all the sun may fall on the road to Berlin. Strangely enough, those footsteps will seem to become louder. They will become louder and stronger. For the tramp, tramp, tramp of our boys will never cease until it has stamped out once and forever all the barbaric cruelty, hatred, and inhuman suffering you've borne into this world. Nothing can stop us now, Adolf, because that's the heart of America. A hundred and thirty million hearts pounding as one for the one goal, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. It's a healthy beat, this heart of America. It thumps with the same relentless rhythm of the clock. The tireless hands of our workers. The marching feet of our fighters. That's unity, Adolf. That's harmony. That's America. We of the United Nations know that you're no pushover, Adolf. We may not win this year or the next, but when we will, 
Yes, Adolf, long after Heil Hitler is dead, we'll be singing God Bless America. everybody, and thank you, Edward G. Robinson. Good luck in your new Columbia picture, Destroyer. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, drop in on us again next week, won't you? Jack Benny's boy, Dennis Day, is going to be here, and we've got some confidential matters we want to take up with him. I wish you wouldn't listen, Jack, because they may concern you. See you next week, folks. In the meantime, don't forget the two products that make these programs possible. Ipana for the Smile of Beauty... Salhepatica for the smile of health. I, Panna, Salhepatica. And so remember, I love to spend each Wednesday with you as friend to friend. I'm sorry it's true. I'm telling you just how I feel. I hope you feel that way too. Let's make a date for next Wednesday night. I'm here to stay. Ladies, before you wash the dishes. It's time for touche. Before you wash your underthings. It's time for touche. Because touche is the beforehand lotion. Welcome back. I have to say, the more I hear Eddie Cantor, the more I like him. And uh, really, uh, some funny parts throughout, but that uh, last segment was just very powerful and very moving. Uh, with a nice performance by Edward G. Robinson. And we have not yet heard the last of uh, Mr. Robinson, who we'll also hear from on our Friday uh, program, so be sure and listen for that. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, KenCurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, GreatDetectives.net.